Okay, we haven't used the coaches interview uh, little precursor to our show in quite some time. Uh, we, we've either thrown it into the main show or focused on uh, student athletes, but uh, we uh, feel the need here to uh, separate a coach interview show and have a little bit of a, on a a prologue here of you know some of the behind the scenes wrangling going on. So remember when we left you Friday, uh, we were talking about the fact that we got blocked from doing any interviews by Brevard with a Brevard player or coach uh, at that point in time. And that was going to carry through the Sewanee game uh, that's coming up this weekend. So we abided by that, but we did uh, ask again yesterday uh, after asking the SID, uh, Phil over there, to uh, send uh, our show over to the president and the athletic director to hear our case as to why we disagreed with that and why we think it hurts the players and the coaches more than anybody else at the end of the day. And so we asked, hey, is that gag order still going on? And the answer was yes, uh, no, in fact, it's not, uh, rather. So uh, that's great. So we, uh, we scheduled this Coach Kai interview that you're about to see. In the meantime, we start getting pinged left and right by, uh, I think, parents mainly of uh, players. Uh, we can't identify specifically, but they, they weren't players that were hitting yeah. us up. Uh, oh, a cease and desist order was handed out by the USA South to at least Brevard. And we reached out to Tom Hart, the commissioner of the USA South. And before getting your reaction to things here, JB, I will read his response because this time he responded, unlike when we asked him to join us two weeks ago. Uh, Frank, thanks for the note. Yes, an email was sent to both Huntingdon and Brevard athletic directors related to inappropriate social media posts, replies, tweets, etc. The email was sent to inform and reduce or eliminate any contentious derogatory comments and replies being posted by students and coaches. As commissioner, one of my responsibilities is to keep an eye out for any issues between schools, just as an official does during a game. We also firmly believe in student safety, and when posts border on threatening or personal, we will step in. Recent exchanges in vitriol, especially from those who feel they were wronged, is especially concerning. Um, then it goes on to say he didn't feel this was an extraordinary step to take. Uh, so, JB, as I have some background noise coming in here, I'm going to let you take over. Is a plane starting to land in your front yard? <laughs> uh, no, we, we have a motorcycle nearby, and uh, apparently he said oh, nice. it's nice weather, and he's going to take it for a ride out here. Yeah, so all right. So hop on your bike here and run with this, um, you know, a gag order on student-athletes. Is this really what we're down to here? And where, was the, where were the threatening personal attacks because we saw the tweets I, I just didn't see them yeah last time last time i checked uh twitter and facebook and social media outlets have things that that specifically look for um words and phrases and or media that suggest some kind of let's just say inappropriate uh, um content and that that will you know, get your account suspended, or sometimes it's trademarked. Like if it's a video or a song that an artist belongs to, they'll you know they'll they'll suspend your account for a little while for that. Uh, didn't see really anything of that. Mostly, it was just a lot of you know, give us a chance, and you know, we'll play you anytime, anywhere type of thing. And and you know, maybe there was responses back like, hey, you know, you guys had your chance. You know, we won one game, you guys won the other game. It sort of is what it is. You got to live with it. And so I don't necessarily think that there was any negative um, commentary. I, I, I do take some issue with that. That seems like a kind of a sidestep. Um, and as I've you know, been sort of harping, you know, this show is about your champions. You don't you don't crown a champion through a through a coin, coin toss. I mean, come on. You know, the, the, it's D three week. The whole point of D three football and and the sort of the what makes us different. Um, I don't know if you can say better. It's a subjective thing because I'm sure that there are fans from upper divisions that are like, oh, you guys are this and that. But typically, all our titles are are won on the field. There's a tournament, and although the tournament has certain parameters that are kind of hemmed and hawed at every year, um, at the end of the day, you can't deny that the team that you know, goes you typically go through the season fifteen and zero, isn't the national champion? I mean, come on. And so, um, this spring we've seen some programs, and I think we'll we'll get into the whole subject of you know if we had to 
you know, quote unquote rank or, or say, you know, who, who was the best team in the spring. You know, I have some certain ideas, um, although I had to laugh, Frank, when uh, I did see a tweet from a Mount Union fan who was, you know, very upset that they only won by 17 points last weekend. That this is not the Mount that I know. Like, I'm sorry you can't score 50 points in every game, buddy. I mean, come on, you know. <laughs> every once in a while, you're going to, you know, may just only win by a couple touchdowns. But, uh, you know, credit Marietta for that. But, you know, I, I kind of, I'm joking around. But at the end of the day, yeah, this this situation, there, it was foreseeable that it could have happened. And the way it was handled from the, from the, from the get-go, well, maybe the best thing to do, Frank, is to let, uh, you know, Coach uh, Kayak tell us, from his perspective, how this whole thing went down, and maybe we'll go from there. Just want to give one more note. Uh, the USA South, this is the second time the conference has done something affecting speech of student athletes in this season. And this isn't exactly the longest season ever. So it's kind of funny that it's happening twice in a short period of time. Remember the whole uh, Ellison family petition drive back when and the yeah. uh, parents that joined up on Let us team. watch our kids play. Yeah, yep, mm -hmm. exactly. Uh, in the USA South, they had a policy that restricted it across all schools. And I think they were rightfully upset about it and started campaigns to contact the school presidents, contact the conference and say, this is wrong. According to what we've heard on, uh, or from a couple different people, the student athletes are being urged by the president's slash administrators slash conference as well to tell their parents to basically shut up and stop contacting the presidents in the conference office. Now, yes, the policy eventually changed, but to use these student athletes as pawns in the way that is going on here. And, you know, first to force speech on them that they shouldn't have to engage in with their own parents. And then to restrict speech because you're seeing something that you just don't agree with or that you feel crosses the line of, on, you know, forcing a third game that you don't want to endorse or something along those lines, despite the fact that third game should probably happen. Bull. I call bull on this. Yeah. Okay. I, I am not that free speech monger that uh, some people might be out there, but when you cross a line, I'm going to tell you, Tom, I appreciate your response. I really do. You crossed the line twice to the degree that the first thing happened. And again, I, I can only go on what parents tell me, but two p different parents told me this happened and that's not right. If it wasn't a directive from you, tell your conference presidents to man up. Okay, if that was their directive or decision. But number two, to restrict social media speech, which is nothing more than, hey, Huntington wins uh, a coin toss in 2021 banner. That, that was an interesting uh, meme uh, that we saw. That was out pretty there. funny, actually. Or Huntington <laughs> on their official accounts saying basically they were the only 2021 spring USA South champion. Only. Right. Which. Okay, let's talk about stoking flames. Okay, there you go. But it's mm. stupid rhetoric, sure. Some quasi-funny rhetoric, sure. But, okay, yeah. it's it comes with the territory of sports, folks. And we should know better than to try to step in. Well, we'll let you know when it's yeah. we feel it's stupid <laughs> or it's not helpful. But you know what? You want to continue saying it? You go right ahead and say it. Okay, because at the end of the day, judgment's going to fall upon you from other people that read it. Restricting it out front, that, that's just extraordinary. I'm sorry to tell, Tom. Okay, when the Big Ten and Pac-12 players uh, banded together about, you know, the, what they wanted in place to play in the fall, the Big Ten and Pac-12 certainly were not going to write them uh, a cease and desist order. That would have gotten them fried, and rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah. Coach Kai joining anyway. us uh, in an exclusive interview. We did extend an invitation to Coach Turk to join us uh, as of uh, basically a couple minutes before the deadline that we had to impose for production purposes on this. We did not receive a final response, on it, although the SID did acknowledge receiving the request earlier today. Uh, did not uh, respond uh, a second time that I saw. And just to make myself not a liar here, I uh, checked again and no. So, 
Uh, it's just Coach Kai and us in this interview. Coach, it's been an interesting uh, last couple of weeks, to say the least, uh, and we appreciate you joining us. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, correspondence. Some I can uh, could share because it's open. Some I can't because uh, folks provided it confidentially to me uh, in different ways. Uh, the the thing I will say is that you are somebody who can write a hell of a letter. Uh, that's number one. And uh, if your student athletes ever need a grammar tutor, they better be knocking on your door. I, I, I'm going to advertise that now. But uh, the whole thing of this controversy, I even learned a couple things in uh, reading some of the stuff about what the school's position is and what the timeline has been. I want to give you the chance here to just give us the full overall timeline of how we got here. I mean, Brevard's got a great four-in-one season. We will talk about that a little bit, but we, we, obviously, you know, the elephant in the room, we're just going to address it right now. How did we get to this tiebreaker controversy in the first place? Go as uh, long as you need to. The floor is yours. Thank you, Frank. The first thing that I, I need to mention is how grateful Brevard College is that the USA South President's Council, the commissioner, the athletic directors all made a decision to allow us to play football. Uh, there are several schools out there just wishing they could be in a situation talking about a tiebreaker and who's going to go to a championship. So it, it was Yeoman's work to get this accomplished. Uh, to set up game day administrators, uh, to be able to, to work the games, and uh, all of the juggling of schedules of the various sports that were trying to get onto game fields and uh, getting travel situations set up. So uh, we as an institution, and especially a football team, uh, couldn't be more grateful to the USA South for making that decision to allow our players to play football uh, this spring. Now, with that being said, uh, we as coaches in the USA South typically have what we call a coaches summit. Uh, that is yearly, and we do that prior to the season just to cover any type of uh, issues. We, we do have an agenda uh, that we go through any type of uh, information uh, that may be new, uh, what stays the same. Uh, this year, that summit took place on the 10th of February. Uh, that was 10 days prior to the first USA South contest, uh, which of course was between uh, Brevard and Huntingdon. Uh, in that summit, uh, it was broken into two parts and uh, number six was the first part, the uh, first question in the second part of the agenda. And that was a, a question regarding what would happen in the event of a tie whether it be a top, the East or the West division. And the reason we were asking that was because we do have a handbook that we have always followed. That handbook is set up for conference play. So that's clear, you play each team once. Uh, it, it's very straightforward uh, when you're looking to declare a champion. So obviously a team could go 3-0 and out of conference and another team could go 0-3. And, and then within conference go 6-1 and and another team could go 7-0. and So you could actually have a 9-1 and team that doesn't represent the USA South in the playoffs, but you have a 7-3 and team that does because it's clear under letter I in the handbook, uh, number one is uh, for this declaration of a champion, number one would be the... Uh, overall record against conference members. I mean, that's what truly matters. So if a team is 7-0, they go. There's no other discussion to be had. Uh, and then when you, uh, if you skip over that one or that one can't be used and you get into 2A, 2A, now you're talking about head-to-head -head competition. Well, again, in, in conference play, when you're playing somebody only once and you're comparing head-to-head -head competition, it's who won. That's it. Now, in the off chance a uh, game is somehow uh, deemed no contest or lightning or things of that nature, now you can move on to 2B. And then 2B is comparing uh, component uh, opponents that you had in common. Then you get to 2C and 2D, 
which now you're talking about rankings, now they come into play. So now you get all the way down to 2E, and it is listed in 2E in the handbook that does say coin toss. But in a traditional format, that, that would never come to play. So that's why the question was raised is what are we going to do with this East and West division? Then you had to look at it uh, as two different components because the East division had four teams in it and the West division only had three. So even within that, there should have been provisions made just specifically for this time frame. So that's why the question uh, was brought up uh, on the agenda by Kevin Williams, who's the head coach at Methodist, and he's our chair for the USA South. So once that hit, Commissioner Hart's response was to follow the handbook. And I then raised the question about the fact that this was set up for conference play rather than divisional play. So in the divisional play format, I think that we need to do something else. And then I was told to follow the handbook. So uh, then finally, Coach Williams uh, from Methodist, the chair, wanted to be sure because he's the one that has to make sure that all the other coaches are playing by the same rule book, uh, wanted to confirm that that's what we were going to do was to follow the handbook. And Commissioner Hart did confirm that at that time. So now we read the, the handbook as is. Now I'll get back to that subject later to explain exactly why we now have an issue. So that's the 10th. So now February 20th is the first football game. So now at this stage, obviously no rules can be changed. Once the game gets underway, you can't tell us we're playing cards and aces are high and we're on the last round and now you're telling me deuces are high. So everyone is uh, in full understanding of what's happening. Now, there were no follow-up emails, follow-up conversations. I mean, coaches, we've been around enough sports and football to understand what compare head-to-head -head means, what compare uh, common opponents means, what conference means, uh, who are the conference members. We, we understand all that. So now you come to March 23rd, March 23rd, all right? So now at that stage, Huntingdon has now beaten Maryville, and Brevard is set to play Maryville. So now there's the discussion that if Brevard were to beat Maryville, that would give them a two-and-one divisional record. And that would be equal to Huntingdon's two and one divisional record. So uh, the talk then on this 23rd was amongst ADs, athletic directors. And um, the topic was brought up to my knowledge that the athletic director from Methodist brought up, hey, what should we do in the event of a tie? And it, it was at that moment that uh, Commissioner Hart or the athletic director from Methodist, who were both on the conference call on February 10th, uh, could have spoken up and said, well, this has already been decided at the coaches summit back on the 10th of February that we were going to follow the handbook. And of course, I'm not, uh, I don't have the full knowledge of what took place during that athletic director's call, uh, but clearly that wasn't brought up. So I, I'm, I'm just coming to the conclusion that it looked as if the coaches had never made any type of decision. So the athletic directors must have come to the conclusion that, well, without any rules already established, there's no fair way to go about this other than a coin toss. And that's where coin toss first came up. Now, I found out later that the USA South does have a history of using a coin toss, just not in football. So it's never been done in football because of the way the conference is set up. So it, it, it wasn't something completely strange uh, to the athletic directors to do so. But, you know, the coaches weren't called in. Uh, no one was asked, hey, did you guys uh, handle this on your February 10th meeting? You know, how could such a, a huge item not have been covered? Uh, we, we were never asked about that. This decision was made on that uh, 23rd. Now, what's interesting is that I did have a call prior to the 23rd, uh, you know, wishing me luck against uh, Maryville and that if I were, you know, able to get that taken care of, that I'd probably in, be in Fayetteville for the championship game. Because uh, that was just well understood that 
three and one against conference members, not divisional members, conference members, was uh, the number one item under I, Declaration of a Champion. So now, uh, immediately, when I hear that there is this possibility of a coin toss leading into the week of us playing Maribel, I said, this, this can't happen. I mean, for all the obvious reasons that any coach probably watching and listening to this show would understand, uh, that, that's not the way to, to go about declaring a champion. So immediately, uh, I did contact uh, some lawyers just to get an idea of, hey, am I completely off base here? And every one of them asked me the same question. There were three of them. And all three asked me the same question when handed the information. I didn't give them any extra commentary. I just gave them the information. And the question was, is Averett a conference member? They all said the same thing. So I said, yes, Averett's a conference member. So then they said, well, that would put you at three and one, which would be a better overall win-loss record against conference members uh, to a two and one. So it would just stop right there. Uh, but our I'm, president, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop you for one second, Coach. Uh, I, I just want to want to underscore something that I think there's a lot of confusion about out there. Uh, and JB and I have seen plenty of the uh, social media banter about this. Brevard is not disputing that the divisional records of the teams are two and one and two and one going into uh, last weekend. The dispute is once you reached a two and one and two and one tie in the divisional record, then the only procedure to use is the one that would be the tiebreaker deciding type of a, of a process in the handbook because that's what you were told to go look at. And the first uh, first thing that's listed there is record versus conference members. The wording was never changed on February 10th to divisional members. And as such, when you look at that, you were three and one at Brevard and Huntington was two and one. And that's why the assumption was not only from you, but from sounds like other coaches that you were going to be the winner of the tiebreaker because two and one, two and one sent us that handbook that said this, that you're not disputing any of that, correct? That's correct, Frank. So we are completely in agreement that the final divisional record for Brevard was two and one. And the final divisional record for Huntingdon was two and one. So that's a tie. So I understand that, you know, COVID created challenges in, in scheduling and that, you know, upset the normal rotation of opponents and all that, but it doesn't take away the validity of the win-loss record. So the next step now is you have to follow what Commissioner Hart directed the coaches to do, which was follow the handbook. We have no other means to go on, but the directive set forth by our commissioner. So we go to I, Declaration of a Champion, and go to number one. And number one states, overall record versus conference members. That's the actual uh, word that is used is conference members. So with that being said, I understand that Averett was never originally on the schedule. But once again, with the USA South and, and Commissioner Hart and all this great work that he did do to ensure that we got to get as many games played as possible, uh, we had an opportunity to take a game. And uh, because of the parameters set, all of our games needed to be within conference, not necessarily division, but from the start of play until April 3rd, we couldn't go outside the conference to play an opponent. And uh, that's why when the opportunity to play Averett came up, we wanted to take it. Now, when you refer to that handbook, you look and say to yourself, oh, geez, you know, I don't know what could happen in the future, but this could really help us, but it could also hurt us. So imagine had we lost that game to Averitt. Our now, we still would have been two and one in the division and Huntington still would have been two and one in the division. However, declaration of a champion, I, number one, would have said overall records versus conference members. That would have been the first tiebreaker. And now at two and two, we would have actually lost the tiebreaker and Huntington would go. 
because that's what the book says. I mean, this is all we've been doing is following rules and and uh, understanding the importance of rules. So that's the what we were going off of was to follow the handbook. And uh, that's why for us, the game was so important to gain that victory. Now, of course, we had no idea how the rest of the season was going to play out for uh, any of the three teams uh, in the in the West, but certainly it could be used to our advantage uh, with a victory. So now you're at this uh, conversation about a coin toss. So now, you know, as an institution, we're going to go through all of the formal routes, exhaust everything possible, uh, but by going through formal routes, uh, that we have. And that's why President Joyce said, obviously, there's no need to uh, involve lawyers and get into all of that. We're not, we're not going to take that approach. Uh, and, and Dr. Joyce is very professional in everything uh, that he does. Uh, couldn't be more proud to, to work for a man uh, like Dr. Joyce. And so he went through the formal appeal process uh, and wrote a letter to the President's Council suggesting that a coin toss is probably not the route to go. Uh, if we're going to say that Averitt is somehow not a member of the conference, which obviously we know they are, they're listed on the website. I mean, it, it would take away from the validity of anything that took place on the East. So obviously they're a member of the conference, but even if you skip over that and go to number two, A, and now you're starting to talk about comparing head-to-head uh, -head competition, that's really what we wanted to talk about because compare in a traditional setting is simple. When you play a team once, who won? That's it. But now when you're playing a team multiple times, other factors have to come into play and to compare. Now, were those set what those were on February 10th? No, but that's why the question was asked about we need to do something other than just follow the traditional handbook because now it's left to so much interpretation. So now you could have certain schools interpreting one way, other schools interpreting another, presidents interpreting it one way, uh, ADs. So now you have a lot of bodies involved interpreting what compare means because compare playing a team once is definitely different than compare playing a team twice. Uh, so once that appeal was made by Dr. Joyce, I found out on uh, Thursday evening, the 25th, that that um, was not going to be uh, accepted. So we were turned down on our appeal. So it was at, at that moment that I said that there's no way I can allow this uh, to happen. So I did uh, write a letter to Commissioner Hart and it was regarding the disposition of a tie between Huntington and Brevard. And uh, I basically laid out all of the reasons why I don't believe it should come to a coin toss um, for all the different reasons. And um, I never did uh, receive a response, but I think that perhaps I was holding out hope that uh, with a victory on the road, in the rain, uh, with a backup quarterback and our team captain out for all but four plays, uh, lightning delay after lightning delay, and uh, you know, all the things that we had to uh, persevere through uh, to get that victory and a 14-3 win on the road uh, with a backup quarterback playing almost the entire game, uh, I would think that there was no way that this could come to a coin toss. There would be enough powers to be to get involved and say, just look at the body of work. I mean, there's just, we can't do this. It can't happen. And that's uh, what I was holding out hope for. And then, of course, after the game, uh, that's not what took place. Uh, I was informed that the coin toss was definitely going to be on, and that's how they were uh, going to settle this tie and declare a champion. So, uh, and then, of course, with uh, having lost the coin toss, that sent uh, Huntington to the championship game. And then, of course, <laughs> after that, um, you know, I've been coaching for 22 years, and uh, I have enjoyed every moment of it. Even in the worst years of football, um, on some bad teams or some you know terrible situations that may have arisen, uh, never in my entire life, definitely in my football life, have I experienced uh, such 
uh, an awful moment in coaching when I had to get my players off the bus after the exhilaration of victory and knowing they've done everything that they could possibly do to ensure themselves a place in the championship game. And I had to get those players off the bus and let them know that despite everything that they did and everything that they earned, the merit that should have gotten them to the championship game, that it was now sheer luck, and in this case, bad luck, that was not going to allow them to go. And to look into their eyes when they're looking up at me in complete trust as their leader, I mean, I felt as if I was hit in the gut. It was a to total gut punch with a bat. And then I had to line up each one of those individually and do the same thing. And it, it was cruel to have to do that to those kids, but I had to de deliver the facts at that point that we were out due to a coin toss. Coach, one, one other question before I, I let JB take over uh, the questioning here. Um, a lot of people are wondering why, if you did know, it could come down to a coin toss. You didn't alert the student athletes earlier. It's it's a good question, I have to admit, and I, I kind of can get the notion of why, because you probably felt it was better than 50-50, that even if it went to coin, you would still win the situation with the powers that be, et cetera. But why not include them in that discussion? It's a tough question to have to answer, I know, but in retrospect, did you make the right move, do you think? I don't think it's a tough question at all, Frank, and I appreciate you asking that question to clear that up. So when I got the information on the Tuesday prior to the Maryville game, I did everything in my power to be certain that it didn't come down to that. I was not going to stand for that. That's not fair. Uh, that's not what we decided on on February 10th. Uh, so I could not allow it to come to that. The last thing that I wanted to do was to have my players have any type of distraction whatsoever when it was unnecessary. So on Tuesday, it was unnecessary because the information was too new. I needed confirmation. Is this a fact? Is there no other avenue we can go about getting this done? That's why on the exact same day at that moment, I did contact contract lawyers to see, do I even have a leg to stand on? And once I got that confirmation, I knew I wanted to go that route. I did alert Brevard College that that's what I wanted to do. And of course, that's when Dr. Joyce stepped in and said, no, you know, obviously as an institution, we want to take all the formal routes first. I said, okay, well, let's do that. And that's why I hadn't said anything to them on Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm waiting for this appeal to come back. And that's why on Thursday was actually the first time that I did alert the players that there's a chance now that that Huntington can be in this conversation about being in the championship uh, if we don't if we end up beating Maryville uh, on Saturday. So I let them know that that was a possibility. So at that same time, I'm still working to try to get the minds changed. So, hey, just so you know, there is a, a possibility that this could completely go a different way. So we got to leave no doubt in the minds of the decision makers. And certainly I would think at some point, the problem is I'm thinking in my brain and not in the brains of others, that there's no way that you could allow this to come to a coin toss. Uh, it, it would be one thing if you're trying to compare a team that's in North Carolina and the other ones in Wisconsin and, and they're not in the same conference and they don't have any uh, opponent. I mean, it's completely different planets. So I can understand that, but this is all in the same division and common opponents. And uh, it's just an entirely different format. So now you have plenty of information to go on to make a decision. And I know that our athletic director, Miranda Nash, she was not for this coin toss. And she really wanted to have an opportunity for people to examine the body of work. But to sit there and go through all of these scenarios with these players, I'm going to go through all of these different what ifs and maybes, and we're chasing ghosts left and right. 
and then our kids can't perform on Saturday, and now they have no shot at even a coin toss if it ends up being that. But I held out faith in the decision makers that they would take a second look, and I poured my heart out in my letter to Commissioner Hart on that Friday. And, you know, if, if he read it, I don't know how he could come to the decision of a coin toss. Obviously, he had others involved. I mean, he's not a one-man show. Um, but nevertheless, it did end up in a coin toss. So, um, you know, that's how I went about approaching the team. Uh, the team respects me because I always straight shoot with them. And that's why they have the faith and the belief in me. And I didn't want to ever tell them something, and then it changes, and then it changes. So some things are out of my control, uh, but other things I do have a part in. And that's why I didn't want to tell them on Tuesday and completely demoralize them, because up to that point, they had uh, assiduously followed every rule that was set forth by our institution uh, as far as um, protocol for, for health issues, uh, we outline guidelines for team rules. They're following those. We're following the rules set forth by the USA South, which was the handbook. I mean, we're always following all of these rules. And now I have to tell them on a Tuesday that the rules have changed. What message is that sending to the kids? And I did not want that message getting to those kids because now, I mean, that blows up the whole world of everything that we have set for them. And that's why until there was final confirmation that we were going to a coin toss, I didn't want these kids to have to deal with that anguish. Put that on the head coach. I mean, that, that's my duty as a leader of men to make sure that I shield them from all of this. And I did give them the information when necessary. But there is nothing that I wouldn't, I wouldn't do for these kids. They, they're the most incredible group of young men you could possibly imagine. And I understand that there are coaches all across America that say that their young men are the best that's out there. But when there's rankings, somebody is the best. Somebody is number one. So I speak in facts, but in this point, I'm going to give my opinion. And in my opinion, uh, I, I have the most remarkable group of young men you could imagine. The uh, obstacles that they've had to overcome, you know, some are natural, uh, some don't need to be there, but are. Uh, I could not be more proud of their accomplishments and whether they are formally recognized as champions or not, in my heart, they will always be uh, the, the, the champions in the spring of 2021 for everything uh, that they were able to accomplish uh, this year. Well, and, and in a way, Coach, I mean, I, I guess it, maybe it was maybe it was your letter, maybe it was some of the administrative dealings behind the scenes. But you guys, I mean, I saw a tweet uh, a day or so ago. You were eventually named kind of co-champions, at least as sort of a way to maybe salvage some uh, credibility here uh, with all the back and forth. So my first question would be, um, you know, what was the team's reaction to, to that news? And then number two. As you may have seen, um, certain talk show hosts might have been proposing this idea of, you know, one team won one game, the other team won the other game. Why don't they play a third game on the 17th of April and see who wins head up? I mean, I know you got a game this weekend against Suwannee, who's kind of coming in here late in the spring trying to get a few games in, um, an SAA uh, team that didn't really participate in, in that, um, you know, conferences earlier uh, spring season stuff. But yeah, I mean, what would, and he already played, it'll be six games after the Saturday. What's what's an extra game? I mean, I know that there are certain NCAA regulations that, that kind of draw a line in the sand that based on the end of the semester school year that you can't play up to a certain point. But I mean, what? why not try to just do a, a real championship game between the two co-champions and, and see who wins? Uh, well, the first part of your question, we are certainly uh, thankful to Commissioner Hart for giving us the respect that we did earn based on performance on the field by naming us the co-champions of the Western uh, Division. Now, obviously, uh, we were looking to be champions uh, of the USA South, but that was definitely a start. 
that acknowledgement was made uh, and we are extremely grateful uh, for Commissioner Hart uh, to do that. Uh, obviously, it was the right thing to do, uh, but we do sincerely appreciate uh, being named uh, co-champions of the West. I mean, obviously, once again, something that can't be taken away from these players 30 years from now. Uh, they are the co-champions of the West for the spring of 2021. Now, one thing that I did leave out in my timeline addresses your second question, JB, which is uh, playing a rubber match, if you will, uh, against Huntingdon. President Joyce, our president here at Brevard College, did reach out to both Huntingdon and I believe Commissioner Hart and asked, rather than a coin toss, can we not play a third time and settle it that way? So that actually was brought up. And uh, again, I don't have all of the details, I only have the information that was delivered to me uh, regarding this issue. Uh, but it sounded like we, we would meet in the middle at uh, LaGrange. I don't know if that would be at LaGrange College, actually on their campus. I don't know if they were aware of that, but somewhere meet in the middle, a neutral site, and play that third game. And it seems as though the answer, I don't know if it was turned down by Huntington. I can't speak to that. And I don't know if it was uh, Commissioner Hart or I, I don't know who actually did it. The only information I did get uh, was that there was a firm date of April 3rd to have that as the conference finals uh, so that everything needed to be in by it, done by that. Now, uh, our player council uh, was able to meet with Commissioner Hart and he did hear uh, their concerns about this whole issue. And that's really how uh, you know, you say it could have been a letter that I wrote to Commissioner Hart, but I really think it was this player council that uh, was able to meet with Commissioner Hart and just have Commissioner Hart hear them out about how they felt following the results of the coin toss. And uh, I was given information by our player council, you know, that Commissioner Hart did mention during their meeting that this whole situation is like flying a plane while it's being built. That's what he used to the players. So if that's the case, yes, we do have a firm date of April 3rd for a final, but how firm is firm in the world of flying a plane while it's being built? And how firm is firm in the world of COVID when games are getting canceled, you're rescheduled, and heck, I found about the possibility of Averitt on a Wednesday night and really got to it on Thursday morning and we played on a Saturday. So, I mean, obviously uh, fluid is a term that's used repeatedly, you know, during this day and age. Um, so that was certainly something that, that could have been adjusted. But again, that's not, that's not my decision to make. I mean, I can make all the suggestions, but um, I, I don't really have that type of power to do that. But obviously we would have welcomed that uh, certainly over a coin toss, because obviously we didn't know prior to whether we would win or lose the coin toss. How am I supposed to know? So regardless of that, uh, yes, based on follow the handbook and uh, all of that, that would have been my route is that we should have just been named on the rules that were already set on the 10th of February, which is follow the handbook. But if we're going to stray from follow the handbook, certainly settling the dispute on the grass or the turf in most fields now, but on, on the grass between the white lines is a far better route to go. Now that's in my opinion, but a far better route to go uh, than a coin toss. I just, I wouldn't wish this situation on any football team on the planet. It's just a brutal way to be eliminated from a championship game or it could be playoffs or, you know, some other scenario, but, but what a brutal way um, to do this. And, you know, Division Three athletics, it's really about the experience for the, for the players. It's all about the student athlete and their experience. So you tell me what kind of experience it was for the kids to know that everything that they worked for and all the rules that they followed and all the effort that they put in, just like all the other schools were doing, too, where with the opening effort and following rules. Uh, but what everyone had done to that point, but we're the only ones that all of our hard work was squashed due to a coin toss and sheer luck. 
I'm going to re-up on JB's uh, overall theme on his second part of his question, though. If somebody basically said tomorrow, or today even, April 17th, at Huntingdon, just to get the thing off the ground, teams match up, winner gets a championship belt, it's a non-conference game, USA South doesn't have to be involved directly with it in any way, shape, or form. But just to, with the personnel that you have this year or this spring, the personnel they have this spring, because that will obviously change come the fall. Not everybody uh, is coming back or, or things can, will change personnel-wise. The fluidity of the COVID scheduling process has allowed us an unusual circumstance where we could technically play this rubber match after the fact. Would Brevard be willing to go down and play the game on the 17th if it could be scheduled? Uh, Brevard College, uh, our football program, and this comes from our player council, our entire team, we would have no issue whatsoever playing anyone, anywhere, anytime. Uh, so in this particular case, we're discussing Huntington, and we would gladly welcome that. Our kids do play for the love of the game. I told every one of them they don't need to be a part of this program if they're playing because their dad's making them play or they're playing because they want to rack up statistics and see their name on Twitter. That, that's, not, that's not the type of team I'm trying to build. I, I want the guys that are truly playing for the love of the game. So if they have any opportunity to play, they want to play. Now, it's an opportunity to play Huntingdon. They would certainly welcome that opportunity. Uh, that's already been discussed uh, as a team. Uh, and with the coaches as well. And uh, we would do that. Location matters not to us. <laughs> Time matters not to us. Uh, we, we would, we would be, be all in with that game uh, if that were an option for us. Yeah, well, again, Coach, you can probably relate to this, especially, you know, being we're sort of in the, in the southeast, uh, you and me, uh, not, too, not too far away. And, um, you know, down here we hear a lot about the big, you know, big college football. And when when I tell you know people who aren't as familiar with Division Three what we're all about, one of the things I always kind of fall back on is you know, part of the D three experience is that we actually get to you know crown champions on the field. It's not like it's not like when Florida you know is hoping that they get a higher vote than Alabama or Georgia Tech or whatever. We actually have a process that's, that's set up, although with certain you know, limitations because of costs and travel and all this sort of thing. But at the end of the day, most of our, you know, D3 championships are decided on the field. And like you said, not not through something as arbitrary and, and random as a, as a coin toss. So in the spirit of which is actually D3 week, um, you know, if there's anyone out here, out there watching this with the, you know, the powers that be, yeah, I hope I hope these kids do get a chance uh, maybe one more time to, to, to really do play for a uh, championship belt or whatever um, <laughs> trophy that, that's that's out there. But, uh, yeah, it just doesn't seem like you said, just, it's really not fair to the to the players and, and the student athletes who put in so much hard work. Uh, we spoke to a young man from Virginia the other day and. And you could just see the, the the relief on his face that the that the season in a way is kind of just wrapping up. It ended up positive for them, um, but it's been a real grind on these kids, and and I imagine it's been you know, both a, a positive and negative experience uh, for your players because of you know the sort of the highs highs and the lows. But that's that's kind of that's life and that's football. Well, JB, um, you used the right word when you said arbitrary. I mean, when you think about. Uh, hey, we got an extra order of fries. Who wants them? Oh, I want them. Oh, yeah. All right, let's flip for it. I mean, I guess it's rock, paper, scissors sometimes, but I mean, those are the type of things that, that you use a coin toss for. Hey, who's going to take out the trash? No, you take it out. No, you take it out for it. So how, did we, how did we go from using it for something arbitrary to using it something that, that should be based on merit and, and what you've earned? So, you know, that's just the disappointing part for us. And like I said, I mean, this could have happened to any team in America. The unfortunate part for my players is it happened to them. And, um, you know, a congratulations still needs to go out to Huntington College. Um, Coach Turk and his program, you still have to congratulate them. You know, the rules happen to fall where it allowed them to get into the championship game. 
And, you know, congratulations to Coach Williams and what he did at Methodist going into a championship game undefeated. I mean, sure. uh, all, all of these teams involved, whether you're talking about Brevard, Huntingdon, or Methodist, none of them uh, had to give games up because they couldn't play due to uh, COVID issues or anything else. So uh, what an, uh, an outstanding job by all of those institutions. And Huntingdon was able to take care of business in the championship game. So... In no part does Brevard College want to take anything away from what Huntington College was able to accomplish. I mean, it's just the path of the rules and, and how they worked out fell in their favor, but they also uh, didn't earn a championship. I mean, they very easily could have gone to the championship game and fell flat on their face and got shut out or lost the game. So um, you certainly have to give the congratulations uh, to Coach, Coach Turk and his program. You know, it's just that where the issues lie is that all of the things that have come out since, with all of the things that you've seen on social media, you know, it's just a really sad place for us to be with all of the talk between Huntington players, Brevard players, and all the back and forth. I mean, why is it necessary to do that via social media when all of that should be determined on the field. I mean, that that's what I've always taught my players. I teach my coaches the same thing. It's your body of work. Um, I've always thought that if I'm performing on the football field, the coach will put me in based on what I was doing on the field. Wow, he catches every pass. Oh, wow, he runs great routes. Oh, geez, he can really, you know, uh, reach a nine technique. I mean, let's put him in the game. It shouldn't be because I'm complaining or, you know, using the right words or, you know, whatever it is that I'm doing in a spoken format, it should be based on my performance. No difference than in a job. I mean, you would hope that the person that got promoted within the company is the one that put out the best product, I would think. I, I don't know that, that you get three candidates and then, you know, rock, paper, scissors, the three of them to figure out which one goes. I just, I just really struggle with that as the, the final absolute option there was just flat out no other choice there's just no way to do it it is truly the most fair and even if that's the decision obviously i have to live with it but i just needed uh commissioner hart and everyone else to know which is why i wrote an open letter called the aftermath i just needed everybody to know what that meant to the people who were involved that fell on the short end of the stick in this case and it, it was a brutal brutal situation that I promise you I would never, you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy, something like that. And um, that, that's why, you know, I have the love for my players that I do because they continue to get knocked down, get back up, and regardless of what happens to them, they show me the true character of what it means to be a, a man and a football player. Coach, for us, it's a little tough because uh, we are considering doing our own uh, version of spring postseason honors of some sort, be it a poll or rankings or uh, player accolades of some sort. We're still coming up with exactly what we're going to do on this show. We're probably the second biggest media outlet related to Division Three football out there, uh, d3football.com obviously being number one. Uh, but for us, and we had a poll about this on Twitter, and granted, it's not scientific, but 70% of the respondents figured that if the third game doesn't happen between Huntingdon and Brevard, that either Brevard should be declared champion, co-champion should be declared, or no champion should be declared, ultimately. A little less than 30% last I checked that poll uh, said that Huntingdon should have been crowned champion if that's the case. Give me some advice. If you were sitting in our seats here, how would you view, or how do you think we should view, especially for when it comes to postseason positioning and whatnot, this whole situation, should we, should we respect Huntington as a champ? I don't know the answer to this question. I've never had to sit in the seat to ask that question before because this is that rare of a situation. What would you do? Well... Uh, I mentioned earlier that the uh, player council for Brevard College is made up of a handful of players, uh, did have that opportunity to uh, voice their uh, concerns and issues about how all of this played out to Commissioner Hart. 
And a gentleman named Mike Christie, uh, who works for the USA South and works for Tom Hart, was also on that call from what I understand. Uh, when the players gave me some uh, feedback, obviously I was going to ask them how it went, and they, they gave me some feedback. Um, they said that one of the questions that they did ask uh, to Commissioner Hart was, uh, let's just say this, we take this information that we have, uh, the scores, the, the divisional breakup, the, the handbook, all of it. Let's just take all this information, pick it up, and sit it down heck, in the middle of Wyoming to somebody that doesn't even know uh, where Brevard College is, didn't even know that Montgomery had some other school uh, in Huntingdon. They don't know anything about this and just provided them with that information. And they just had to look at it for as is. And um, I was told that that Mike Christie would said, you know, clearly, obviously, just based on body of work, it would be Brevard College, just based on body of work. The problem is the rules that were set on February 10th. And on February 10th, when it was decided by Tom Hart to follow the handbook, coaches' interpretation of what that meant varied clearly among the coaching staff. And definitely the USA South had a different idea in mind of what that truly meant. And it was the communication error on February 10th that really led to all of these issues. I mean, every conversation that is taking place right now would have never happened. Uh, the social media, the, the poll to see who should be crowned champions, my being on your show. I mean, all of this uh, would have been mitigated had on the 10th of February, it would have been clear about the interpretation of follow the handbook. So, uh, you know, I, I know I said a whole lot without truly answering your question, Frank, um, but, you know, that's something that, that you all would need to do. You choose body of work. Uh, do you choose interpret interpretation of the handbook? Uh, whatever route you choose would be how you would rank. So for me, like I, I stated earlier, I'm, I'm a body of work person. Like, like what do you have? Like, show me. What, like, why do you feel you, you've earned the right to be ranked at this number or win this championship or represent this conference? I mean, what have you done? Coach, your uh, team deserves uh, accolades no matter what happens here, uh, four and one season, uh, which they, they've had to uh, remain uh, focused, as we uh, have said before, because Swanee is going to give them the challenge on Saturday. Uh, you know, per, perhaps a five and one season. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, with after that. But no matter what, to play football under the circumstances that we've uh, had this uh, past year and perform as well as they did, uh, with some outstanding performances individually and as a team, your team should be proud of uh, what they've done. And just because a title is or isn't given doesn't change that fact. Uh, we are, uh, you know, thrilled uh, that you're in the ECAC, or at least were, so that we could see a bowl game by your team a couple of years ago and getting to announce uh, their name and learn about you that way and uh, continue learning about you. And uh, we continue to be impressed by your program. Uh, again, this has nothing to do with our feelings about Huntingdon, which we are impressed with as well. Uh, we can walk and chew gum at the same time here, and that's what we choose to do, is appreciate the fact that Brevard has had a hell of a season and a hell of a team and a hell of a coach, obviously, as well, uh, leading them. So thank you for joining us, and congratulations. And I uh, thank you, uh, Frank and JB, for uh, affording us the opportunity to tell our story. Um, you know, obviously all this conversation was based on uh, the spring of 2021, but when you understand the full volume that in 2017 spring, there were 17 players on the football team and it was making the transition from uh, the SAC in Division Two to the USA South Division Three, And by following all the proper protocols and doing all that uh, uh, paperwork necessary, following all the rules and regulations, uh, Brevard College was able to finally be eligible to play for a championship and be recognized. So these are the kids that for four years knew they were coming to Brevard College with no shot at that and were still willing to come to play. 
and knew, hey, fall of 2020, here's my shot. Boom, here comes COVID. Let's move it to the spring. Oh, thankfully, we still have that shot. And the kids laid it all on the line. And that's really the backstory. Now, that shouldn't have any determination of whether or not you use a coin or any of that. But just to know how deep the wound really is when you say coin toss. This was four years in the making for, for guys that... <laughs> Uh, you know, we're definitely in a different situation than others throughout the country. Long interview. Well-spoken yeah. man. Wanted the details definitely. out there. I, I, I learned a lot through, like I said, the letters I read and what he uh, said here in addition. And I, I think the thing that's most striking is the narrative that goes to Brevard's history Brevard's season, the progression of it, and just the highs and lows, and the, the idea that it feels like somebody took something away from them that th shouldn't exist in that room, uh, in that manner. I, the, the, nothing's technically being taken away from the fact they had a successful season, JB, and shouldn't take sure. away from that, but. Try telling yeah. that to 18 to 22 year olds who feel wronged in this situation. Nothing you and I can say would be able to rectify that, I guess. No, and, uh, you know, they're, they're still a young program. I mean, this is only their fourth or fifth season um, and sort of half season with the spring. And so there's probably a lot of seniors on this team, you know, who came in with no idea whether or not this whole you know, NATO nation thing was going to take off. And for the first couple of years, they had some losing seasons. And then all of a sudden, you know, 2019, uh, they go to an ECAC bowl and win one of those. And, and they were poised to, to come back in 2020 with a pretty strong team. So this has got to be a, a, a little bit of a, of a gut punch for them to, to find out that like a technical, you know, technicality in a rule book with a coin toss is really what decided their ultimate fate here. Um, and, you know, maybe that's something that can inspire them into the fall of 2021. They're still kind of the new kid on the block as far as this conference is concerned. And and so they, they still have, you know, some stuff to prove. And certainly it's a chip on their shoulder that I, I imagine they'll carry. Uh, but at the same time, though, you, you, it, your heart has to break a little bit for the kids and the way this was handled, particularly by the you know, supposed adults um, who had their best interests at heart and really should have, <laughs> had a better idea. I mean, I've, I've seen, uh, and one of the issues that I've had with a institution um, that I'm close to is that while valid, a lot of this, you know, kind of managing COVID at the, at the campus level has kind of given certain administrative functions uh, in a kind of almost an opt out of doing above and beyond and or other things that you would think that they would factor into this kind of situation and, and it's been kind of a double-edged sword while you have to do that to keep people safe and to follow protocols and all that i think a lot of other things have fallen through the cracks and there's been a lot more issues at a number of campuses because this sort of laser focused on one thing and not all of the things that they're doing for that is necessarily the most practical or scientific or commonsensical and it's allowing little things like this to kind of they just they go oh COVID. Yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. I, I think the COVID excuse gets uh, overused and abused, and it's a legitimate excuse on most days. Uh, but when it, it's almost like the boy who cried wolf when you start abusing it. We start disbelieving the application of it the deeper we go into it, and the more we see and know. And so, you know, COVID be damned in this whole scenario. It's a common sense application of an issue. Brevard's not arguing that uh, the teams weren't two and one in division and that Averett game does not count toward the divisional record. Okay, that's that's clear. And that was a lot of the back and forth of people on Twitter was, oh, they knew the game didn't count. Correct. The game didn't count mm -hmm. in their divisional record. But but in often tiebreakers the rule book in, said conference. Yeah. <laughs> so so, so, yeah, often tiebreakers involve overall standings, okay? So uh, this is the equivalent of overall standing in, in a conference setting, and especially in 2021, 
And so it was not a departure to think that what Tom Hart said literally was accurate. Use the handbook. Okay, that's where this thing goes off the rails. And again, take nothing away from Huntington. Although Huntington, stay away from the rhetoric, please. Okay, uh, I'm not imposing a gag order on you, but let me just tell you, yeah, um, yeah. you're better than this and don't need to go there. Just say we are thrilled with our championship. Keep it at that. You don't need to get into the mud on this stuff. You're staying kind of outside it publicly really well for a while. Okay, Coach Turk, we love your program. I'm on Russell Terry's show talking great things about you and your program frequently on uh, Sports Radio 740 in Montgomery. So trust me, I appreciate you and your program. It's got nothing to do with this. It's a question of these players had a legitimate reason to feel wronged. How do you solve the wrong? We'll leave it to you to figure that out, folks. Ultimately, you've heard uh, Coach Kyatt's side of the story, which uh, was a long time coming. Uh, Coach Turk obviously thinks uh, otherwise. I think we can pretty much guess that at this point, and we'll leave it at that for now. Uh, we appreciate your attention, and we'll see you on Friday for a live discussion about the Week 10 schedule and predictions because JB needs to catch up with me. <laughs>